All right, we are in Exodus chapter 5, and this is the story where Moses confronts Pharaoh and tells him, let my people go. And Pharaoh uh, did, was, did not take kindly to this. He did not like Moses making demands of him. And notice in verse 5, it says, And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and ye make them rest from their burdens. And Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, Ye shall no more give the people straw to make brick, as heretofore, let them go and gather straw for themselves. So Pharaoh, in a way to punish Israel for demanding something of them, he decides, you know what? Things are too easy on all of you. You know what we're going to do? We are going to make you now get your own straw when it comes to making bricks. And and in verse 8, he said, And the tale of bricks, which they did make heretofore, ye shall lay upon them. Ye shall not diminish aught thereof, for they be idle. Therefore they cry, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. And we, and we already read through that chapter. I'm not going to read it all again. But obviously the children of Israel, they're like, What? So now we've already got all this work that we were being forced into doing, and now you're telling us you're not going to provide the straw, and yet you still expect the same production from us? This was an unrealistic expectation that Pharaoh put on the people. And this was something that he was doing too in cruelty. This was something that he was doing, I think, to punish them. The Bible tells us in Exodus 1.14, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field and all their service wherein they made them to serve with rigor. So things were already hard for Israel. And then he just goes and puts more on them. He's like, you know what? No, you guys still have to make the same amount of bricks, but we're not providing the straw anymore. And this was, this was a cruel punishment. He was doing this to keep Israel down. He was doing this because they were building Egypt. Uh, you know, on the back of slaves. And it was, the, it was Israel that was having to deal with all this stuff. And so, um, this was, yeah, it was just a cruel thing to expect people to accomplish the same thing when you're uh, basically telling them now you're in charge of getting your own straw. And so, just full transparency, all right? What I'm doing right now, I'm kind of, I'm going to set everybody up, right? I'm going to give you all a few facts you all are going to agree with because I'm setting all of you up for something. And it's April now. Typically, this is our family month. We're not doing the thing this year with the guest speakers and stuff. But on Sunday nights, uh, I do plan on uh, talking about family issues. And I've got a, a series of five messages that I'm planning on covering about necessary qualities for a successful family. And so I'll, I'm going to, but I'm kind of using this story to illustrate something that is very important that y'all need to get a hold of. But so again, Pharaoh's expectation, it reminds me of a lot of people in our generation who expect the world, but they want to contribute nothing. Is that not a problem that we have in our country today? We have people, they want the government to provide for like every aspect of their lives, but they don't want to pay any taxes or they want to pay really low taxes. You know, we have, they want freedom, but they still want a government to provide everything without telling them what to do. Uh, that's just not going to happen. If, if we expect the government to pay for all our food, guess what? They're going to want to tell us what we can eat. I don't want the government to tell me what I can eat. So you know, I need to pay for my own food. But that, that people are demanding that today. 
and uh, and I could tell some stories of things I've seen recently. I don't want to get sidetracked, but a lot of people too. You know, we want them to keep our nation secure, but then we also want open borders. We want them to keep our nation secure, but we don't want them enforcing laws. We don't want them uh, implementing the death penalty on anybody that deserves it. And, you know, we have these conversations around here all the time where we're talking about problems in our government. And then, you know, often people will bring up, you know, we need to do this. And it's something from the Bible. And you're absolutely right. We need to do that thing. But the problem is we've got 15 other things wrong that has created this problem. And so us even just doing that one thing isn't necessarily going to help because we've got 15 other things wrong we're doing over here. I mean, we've just got a mess in this country. So we were, we were talking about this afternoon. So the thing is, there's, there's really no one solution. You know, even us just picking one of these things and doing them, I mean, while it might make us all feel a little better and like we're making a step in the right direction, it wouldn't solve all the problems because we've got so many, we, we do, we just have so many problems. But, you know, we want our government to keep our economy strong while we also are punishing workers and letting everyone go on welfare. Now, that's not, that's not going to work. You can't keep taxing the hardworking people, making it harder on them, and then rewarding lazy people. That's what we're doing in our country today. These are, these are recipes for disaster. All these things they're doing, it can only lead to one place, and that's just destruction. And they are trying to destroy our country. But yet, we do. We ex- expect good things. And that's foolish. These are foolish expectations. You know, we want our government to build roads and bridges and provide for water, electricity, internet, all those things. But we also don't want to deal with any construction. We don't want it to cost us anything. Well, that's kind of unrealistic too. You know? And so when you stop and think about it, we often do have very unrealistic expectations. But sadly, one of the reasons we have this too is because we have politicians who always promise they're going to do all these things too. I'll give you everything you want, and I won't raise your taxes. And they never do, and they're always ones destroying our country. So, you know, even in our own families, too, if we don't teach our children properly, we can raise entitled brats that we can either just give them everything that they want and raise a people who will be adults that will always be dependent on us, or we can just turn them loose on the world where they will be worthless human beings that contribute nothing to society and will just destroy their lives. You know, these, and that's what most people are doing in our country today. And we do, we need to, we need to teach our kids, you know, how to be realistic in these things. Kids need to learn that, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. You know, that dad's checkbook, you know, can't write checks for unlimited amounts of money. I remember my dad had to teach me that lesson. When I, when I was little, I thought you just get whatever you wanted with a check in, in my mind. And, and you can if you have the money in the bank account. I, I didn't understand that concept. But uh, I do believe parents should provide for their children. I do believe kids should feel safe and secure. But we do need to make sure we're training them while raising them and providing for them. And so I, parents, you know, don't make your kids think they're going to starve. But also, don't let them get away with you just providing everything while they have no responsibilities. When they're old enough, give them responsibilities. Make them, make them help in the kitchen. Make them take out the trash. Make them do yard work. Make them work. Because you have to work to survive. It, it, you just have to do it. And so, you know, having said all this too, you know, the kind of, I want to get to the point of my message. Because one thing that pastors have to deal with that can be very frustrating and just very heartbreaking 
And I, I've seen this my whole life. I grew up in a pastor's home. So I've been in the ministry and around the ministry my whole life. And it's where you, you, know, you have families who for years and years, they will be in a church, they will refuse to follow the preaching, the counsel of the pastor, and then they turn around and blame them when their family turns bad. I remember a guy did that at our last church. I remember they, they've been in our church for years. I remember they left the church and I was talking to dad about it. And, and dad told me that he was mad at him because their kids didn't turn out very well. And I was, I was the youth director and I'm like, they didn't do anything you preached. I mean, like everything you always preach, don't do this, don't do this. They did all those things. I, I was their youth director. All the stuff I preached, don't do this, don't mess around with this. They did all that stuff. But you know, pastors, we're not dictators. We can't go into people's homes and control them. We can't go into people's homes and make their rules for them and enforce things in those homes. But you know, at the same time, a lot of people, they will sit in a church they will just go against everything that is taught in the church and then they get mad at the pastor when everything goes south. That's not fair. That is not fair. And let me tell you, you know, as, a, as an assistant pastor over there, you know, as the son of that pastor, you know, I kind of got fighting mad when I heard they were saying that. And I found out they were telling people in the church that and they're, they're blaming my dad on their kids not turn out good. And I'm thinking... What about all these other families whose kids turned out great? How about my dad's family that turned out completely different than yours because we actually did the stuff that he preached? This is ridiculous. But you know what? You know what these people did? They expected a good product to come while they were leaving out all the necessary ingredients. That's an unrealistic expectation. You can't think that just because you go to Liberty Baptist Church that everything's going to turn out great in your family. You know, it takes more than being a member of this church. You actually have to do the things that the Bible teaches, the things that we're actually preaching in this church. It's not even enough for you to just be saved. Well, I feel like, I, I, you know, as long as my kids are saved, listen, I want, I want my kids to be saved. That's the most important thing. But I also want them to turn out good. I want them to have happy lives. I want them to have good marriages. I want them to raise kids that are going to get saved. So, you know, the last thing I'm going to do is, you know, just try to get them saved and then leave out all these other things they're absolutely necessary. And I, I'm going to talk to you for the next several weeks about just necessary qualities for successful families. Because I'm telling you right now, it is not fair. It is not fair for you to come to this church and like put an expectation on me and, and an expectation on this church to help you turn out this great family when you're just going to leave out certain things. It's like, well, we're just going to come and take what we want. And listen, that's, I can't make anybody do anything. I can't, I can't make you do anything. I can't stop you from doing anything you want to do. But I don't want anybody looking at me when things go south in somebody's life. When they are leaving these things we're going to talk about out of their families, you can't expect to turn out a good product if you're leaving some of these things out. That is an unrealistic expectation and it's not fair. Pharaoh, that was not fair, that was cruel for him to expect the Jews to continue putting out the kind of bricks they were when he changed everything, when he, when he took away one of their necessary things that they needed. And these things we're going to talk about are absolutely necessary. These are not things about salvation. I'm, I'm preaching this as though everybody in here is already saved. But even if you're saved, you have got to have these things in your family. And if you don't, you know what? 
you expecting your kids to turn out good, you expecting to have good families is absolutely ridiculous. And you know what? I will not stand by and let anyone look at me like I'm doing something wrong when things don't turn out in your family. Because it's just, it's just not going to happen. Say, so who are you mad at, Pastor Tommy? I'm not mad at anybody here. Most of you, you know, we haven't been around each other long enough for this, this to be you. But it could be you. It could be you someday. You know, I went to one church for 23 years and I saw this kind of thing. And, and even now, sometimes on social media, you know, you'll see people that I used to go to church with and people that I used to teach and uh, that I preached to that, that were our youth group. And I'm seeing all the junk that they're doing that I know they were taught different than that. You were, you were not taught to do things that way. You know better than to do what you're doing. And yet they're doing all this foolishness. They're caught up in all this wickedness. They're caught up in all this sin. And then they're expecting things to turn out good. They're expecting to be happy. And then too, people, you know, and so they'll throw all that stuff out. And then people try to act like they're a product of Lighthouse Baptist Church or something. And it's like, no, no, they're not. Because that's not, these are not the things that we taught in that church. This is not what they grew up hearing. They were taught the word of God. And you know what? Even though Baptist preachers, we get accused of being dictators all the time. It's just not true. We can't make anybody do anything. And, you know, and we, and, you know, and as a pastor, I'm going to help anybody that I can. Even if you decide, I'm going to, you know what, Pastor Tommy, I just think this ingredient you're talking about just isn't really necessary. Well, you know what? We'll still love you. We still hope for the best. But at the same time, too, I'm not, I don't have high expectations. And, I, and I'll do what I can. And I guess what I just would like everyone to do is just have some realistic expectations uh, for their families. And I don't want anybody to think, yeah, I go to this church. I listen to half the preaching of the church. But you know what? I'm still expecting good to happen in my family. I'm expecting to turn out a good, independent, fundamental Baptist family. I'm expecting to raise good adults because I've got most of this stuff. And you know what? I'm sorry. It's an unrealistic expectation. I'm not a cook. Some of you ladies could probably give a good, a better illustration than I could about if you want to make biscuits, you know, just leaving out one ingredient. You know, just try. Why don't you try making biscuits and just leave out one ingredient? Just leave out the flour. How's that going to work? Okay. And what other ingredients are in there? I don't even know. Okay. I just, I just eat them. But you, at the same time, you understand that that would be a very unrealistic expectation if your husband went and bought you all the ingredients for biscuits except for one important ingredient. Eggs, are they pretty important? What happens if you don't put eggs in biscuits? I don't know. But, you know, it, and if he did, if he came to you and said, Honey, I bought all the groceries for biscuits except for this one ingredient, and I expect the biscuits to taste just as good as they do with all the ingredients. And as the husband, as your authority, you better get it done. Or you're unsubmissive, and I'm going to make you binge-watch sermons about Jezebel. No, that, that's, that's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. And I'm telling you, I just feel like I've dealt with this kind of stuff my whole life, where people are, they're just, they come just expecting all these things. I mean, I, I, I've, I've been there too when people were crying to me, they're crying to my dad, I just don't understand what I did wrong. We did everything right. My kids aren't going to, you know, and Back then, too, I was the assistant pastor, so I didn't have to deal with the hard stuff. And, you know, and it was, it was, it was on my dad. But I just remember, I remember one time hearing somebody say that I did everything right. I followed all the rules. And I almost wanted to slap him and say, no, you didn't. You know, and then just nailing all their transgressions that they had. Like, why were you even expecting to turn out good kids? 
Just because you go to this church and because you hear good preaching, you think you're going to turn out good kids, you're not doing... I mean, they, and they, listen, they were doing some of the stuff. Yeah, 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 you, did, you had that one thing down. Great, yeah, you had your dress standards down. Congratulations, that's wonderful. Yeah, you had a King James Bible. Great, yeah, your kids were saved. That's great. Oh, but you know what? You also were miserable and unhappy in your home. You, you know, you, you, there was no joy in your home. Why wouldn't your kids try to escape as soon as they turn 18? I would be trying to escape from your home if I lived in it. And yet, we've got people, they do, they just create this scenario in their own mind. As long as I have these ingredients, I'm guaranteed to turn out good kids. And it's like people that have been around for a while, it's like, no, you're missing some key ingredients here. And if you don't add these things, you should have no expectations of anything, of anything turning out good. And all these things I'm going to talk about next week, I just feel like if, if you can't say, I am doing your time, with a lot of stuff, and I don't expect good to come from your family, and you know, and I'm I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm just trying to get you some realistic expectations. So hopefully you will actually add these things, and then everything will turn out great. Because I do, I want everybody's families to turn out good. I, that I mean, that is my desire. And so, um, but some things are. It's it's pretty pointless for. People to try having good families if they're going to leave these things out. It's just, it's a lost cause. It's a battle that can't be won. And so you're basically, too, as a pastor, if you're going to try to put some of that blame on me, but you're going to leave these things out of your life, you know, it's like asking me to make bricks without straw. And it's, it's not fair. And I'm not going to be like our government and pretend I can do it anyway. I'm not going to pretend that I can be successful in an unwinnable situation. I'm not going to pretend I can do that. I don't have this Messiah complex like a lot of politicians and a lot, and a lot of preachers. You know, it's, and one of the things I've, I've seen too, a lot of preachers have a Messiah complex where they're even, you know, that's why a lot of preachers try restoring predators all the time because they're convinced I can help these people out. It's like, no, you can't. No, you need to learn to recognize a lost cause when it's a lost cause. And there are, there are people that are reprobate. There are people that are too late. And I don't believe any families in here or reprobate or anything like that, but I do believe that there can be lost causes where your expectations are just extremely unrealistic. And so I'm going to cover one main thing tonight in this message that is just absolutely necessary. And if you don't have this, if this is not who you are, if this is not a quality in your life, first off, you need to make it one. You have to do this and I'm just I'm speaking from experience. I'm speaking from what we see in the Bible that if this quality is not in your life and in your family, that you should just not expect good things to come. And not try to be mean, just try to be real with you. Okay? If I was a dietitian and you're telling me I decided to go on a on a diet of birthday cake and blizzards and McDonald's and I plan on four meals a day with all that stuff, you know, as, as a, if I'm a nice dietitian, I'm not going to be like, well, you know what? I think if you try your best, that's going to work. Right. No, that, that's going to be a lost cause. You know, in, in a few months, we're going to notice some differences in not a good way. And people do. They come like, Pastor, we're going to do this and this and this, but we're leaving this out. And it's just like, okay, well, don't, don't expect me to get excited like it's going to turn out good because it's not. And so the first thing we're going to look at 
It's faithfulness. Faithfulness is so important. The definition of faithfulness is firm in adherence to the truth and to the duties of religion. Another definition is firmly adhering to duty of true fidelity, loyal, true to allegiance as a faithful subject, or constant in the performance of duties or service, exact in attending to commands as a faithful servant. And so, faithfulness. I think we all know what this word means. I think we all understand it. But, you know, when you think of an example of faithfulness in the Bible, who do you think of? What's a, what's a name that pops in when you think of faithful? Abraham. Abraham is the, one of the best examples we can see in the Bible of faithfulness. And look what it says in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 7. It's important that we understand this because this is an important quality. The Bible talks a lot about it. We're barely going to touch the scriptures on this subject tonight. But it says, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, And these shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Notice how Galatians, when it's talking about Abraham, that the quality that is being brought up, the quality that is mentioned is faithfulness. This was something that the Old Testament talked about. In Genesis chapter 18, when the angels came uh, and talked to Abraham and Abraham wanted to know what was about to happen with Sodom. It says in verse 17, the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. The reason God chose Abraham the way he did, the reason God was willing to show things to Abraham is because God knew him and knew this is a guy that will command his children. This is a guy who will be faithful because God wanted to raise up a nation through him. And you know what? You don't raise up a nation. You don't raise up a good family by being wishy-washy on anything. anything. You you can't be wishy-washy in the things of God. You can't be wishy-washy in following God's laws and commandments. He had to do these things the way God said. He needed to teach them to his children, teach them to pass these things on. And God looked at Abraham and he's like, this is a guy I can count on. He's faithful. This is guy is consistent. He's trusty and faithful. It's not that guy who's all hardcore one year and then doing nothing the next year. You can't be that guy. That's not faithfulness. Faithfulness is a quality that goes a long way with God. We see that and we've seen that a lot. You know, you'll have these people. They'll come into a church, you know, wondering why we're not going so winning three or four hours at a time. And it's just like, well, you know, we're also trying to you know, keep this thing going. You know, we'd like to get our soul winners going consistently. We'd like them doing it forever. But, you know, these people that are all hardcore and act like, you know, we're not doing enough, you can't find them a year later. They get burnt out. They get burnt out. Let me tell you, some of the people that have come through this church talking the most, you know, when they come in, first thing, just talking, soul winning, soul winning, soul winning, soul winning, they're usually the last ones stick around and do anything it's like once they actually start doing it they're like hey this can become work this can become tiring this isn't always rewarding 
It's not fun getting chewed out. It's not fun getting cussed out. It's not fun even going for a long time and not even really get to talk to anybody. I, I hope I don't sound like I'm not spiritual right now, but you know, sometimes soul owning isn't very fun. Sometimes it is just work. Sometimes it kind of stinks. Sometimes the weather's bad. Sometimes you're not comfortable. Sometimes you, you, you just, you're in neighborhoods, you feel like you're just wasting your time. But you know, it's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be, and we're supposed to be faithful and consistent. And faithfulness goes a long way with God. It says in Proverbs 20, verse 6, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. A lot of people are good at talking about how hardcore they are. A lot of people are like that. We, we had a guy who came through here one time, called me up the day before he visited, singing his praises. I could take lessons from this guy on, if, if I could learn to sing God's praises the way this guy sang his own praises, I think I would be pleasing God greatly with the praise that I gave him. I've never heard somebody praise themselves so much. But you know, the thing is too, this guy also can't be faithful to the church. You know, he was actually about to leave a good church that he was at, thinking about coming over here. He came over here. I think he got the hint. I didn't really want him. And so then he went back there for a while, started going to this other church. And then last year, I was visiting that church, saw him there. And he was explaining to me too, you know, he, he was kind of there, but he was like bashing the pastor right there. And this guy's just better than everybody. And I'm just like, dude, it, it, I, I wasn't, that wasn't my church. You know, I wasn't going to go run off their members while I was there. But I'm telling you right now, if that guy came over here and started saying some of the stuff that he was saying, I'd probably grab him by the backside of his pants and th toss him out of here. Just, but boy, they'll proclaim everyone their own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. You can't trust guys like that. We need faithful people. That keyboard warrior out there calling out all the false prophets all the time. You know, you got these keyboard warriors, and I've seen them, always calling out the sodomites, but they can't even be faithful to their wife. You know what? Shut up. I'm glad you don't like the sodomites. But you know what? You learn how to be faithful to your wife for crying out loud. You know, I expect a reprobate to act like a reprobate, but I expect a Christian to have some faithfulness. I expect a Christian to be a good husband. I expect these things. But we see these people just out there pro proclaiming all these great things about themselves. Numbers 12, verse 7. This is after um, Miriam and Aaron have gotten on to Moses because of taking the Ethiopian woman to wife. And it says, My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And this multitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? You want to know why God spoke to Moses the way he did? You want to know why Moses knew more than other people did because he was faithful. God said that with Moses. God said that with Abraham. God said, you know what? I'm going to reveal things to these guys. You know why? Because they're faithful. And you want to know why a lot of people can't figure out the Bible? You don't want to know why a lot of people can't figure out how to be a good husband, how to be a good father, can't figure out how to be a good Christian? You know why? Because they're not faithful. They're just, they try it for a little bit. I'll, I'll give it a try. Uh, I still don't get it. You know Because you're not faithful. You have to have faithfulness. And let me tell you, when, you, when you're faithful, that's when you get it. 
That's when, that's when you start figuring things out. That's when God will actually show you things. Well, I don't understand why the Bible gives this commandment. You know, it doesn't really seem like the Shut up and just obey God's commandment. Moses, he left the earth of the Chaldees, not knowing where he went, but he obeyed God. He didn't know why he was doing it, but he did it because God said to, and because God saw that faithfulness, you know what? God revealed things to him. But when we got a lot of Christians today, well, you know, I'll obey God, you know, when I understand it. No, you will not. You, no, you will not. I used to tell that to teenagers all the time. You know, I, it was like, I don't understand why I can't do such and such. Well, you know what? If you just can't figure out children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. You know what? Don't expect to ever figure it out. You know what you need to do? You need to, kids, you need to learn to just obey your parents. You don't need to know why. You don't need to understand all these things. Eventually, I believe God will figure it out if you turn out to be faithful if you're somebody who actually obeys your parents, if you're actually somebody who follows God's words and you follow His commands and you're keeping those things, I believe God will, I believe God will help you. I believe God will reveal those things to you. But God reveals these things to the faithful, the people that He can count on. Why, why do you need all this knowledge for something that you're not even going to keep on doing? There's no, there's no reason to give you any knowledge in that area. There's no, why should God give you understanding about some command that you have no intention of keeping? God's not, that's not how God works. And so we see with both of these guys that they, they had a special understanding of the things of God and God said, because they're faithful. That's why I talk to Moses the way I do, because he's faithful. That's why I'm going to, I'm going to share what I'm doing with Abraham. I'm going to share my plan with Abraham. You know why? Because he's faithful. What God was planning to do with Sodom didn't even have anything to do with Abraham. But Abraham cared because his nephew Lot was over there. And so what, and we see God revealed these things. And so, uh, I believe that this faithfulness thing, it is, this is something that is super important. God wanted a faithful high priest. We talked about that this morning. But notice what it says too in 1 Samuel 2 in verse 34. Remember Eli? He was a pretty pathetic high priest. He had two really sorry, pathetic sons, Hophni and Phinehas, sons of Belial. And it says in verse 34, And this shall be a sign unto thee, Thou shalt come upon thy two sons, on Hophni and Phinehas, and one day they shall die, both of them. And we know that Eli died too. And understand, Eli was in that line of Aaron as the high priest. It was supposed to be in his line. God ended up taking out that line and replaced it with, uh, you know, would have been Eli's brother, and kind of started in a, another line that came from Aaron there. But notice, in verse 35, he said, I will raise up a faithful priest that shall do according to that which is in mine heart and in my mind, and I will build a sure house, and he will walk before mine anointed forever. Was that Eli's brother? Anybody want to take a guess who that he, high priest was that God said he was going to raise up? A faithful one? Jesus Christ. And we read that verse in Hebrews 2.17. says, Wherefore, because Israel was in trouble with God because of Eli and Hophni and Phinehas. They were not doing the role of the high priest. But in Hebrews 2.17, Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. Folks, thank God that Jesus is always faithful as our high priest or we would lose our salvation. Because it's not just a one-time thing. 
He ever liveth to make intercession for us. We sin every day, but because every day Jesus is faithful in his role as a high priest, we never lose our salvation. But imagine if Jesus did his job as a high priest like we do some of our jobs sometimes without faithfulness. We would all be in big trouble. And let me tell you, faithfulness is important. The people that are going to get through the difficult times, it's going to be the faithful. Proverbs or Psalms 31, 23, oh, love the Lord, all ye his saints, for the Lord preserveth the faithful and plentifully rewardeth the proud doer. You know, hard times are, are coming for this country. Hard times are upon our country. Faithful, the faithful are the ones that are going to be preserved. They're the ones that are going to be protected by God. And it is very troubling and difficult when you don't have someone who is faithful in an area where faithfulness is necessary. Psalms 12 once says, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. And boy, I tell you, that, that's how I feel anymore. So at the beginning of, I mean, just, just this year, I have heard about multiple pastors falling into sin. And it's just like, it, it, it's like, and I, I feel it. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. Where are the faithful? So, well, they were faithful for a little while. That's not how that works. Okay? I mean, once you, once you quit being faithful, you no longer have that reputation of being faithful. Faithful is a, is a lifelong thing. I mean, you can be faithful up to now. You know, I believe I, I, I have been faithful in serving God. I have, I've been faithful as a husband and my wife. But the thing is, if tomorrow I stop being faithful, then guess what? I'm no longer faithful. I don't have that. I don't have that qualification anymore. I don't have that quality anymore. And so, for for too many people today, Christianity is just something they do when they feel like doing it. This is not faithfulness. This is a lot of our community. A lot of our community consider themselves Christians, but when do they act like Christians? When they feel like it, they almost never tell people about Jesus. I mean, how many people claim to be Christians in this area and they don't even go to church? They're they're not faithful in these things. They're not faithful in being obedient to God. They're not faithful in following the principles of God. And listen, if you're going to be faithful in raising a Christian family, if if you really do like this IFB way of life, and I do, I like the way I was raised. I like the type of home that I was raised in. And I have tried to have the same type of home. And I want, and one of the reasons too, I've wanted to be successful in it, not just for my own joy, but because I care very much about my kids and my grandkids. And I want to make sure my kids have the best. I want them to have the best experience in all these things because I want them to want to have the same kind of home that they were raised in. But if I make it a miserable experience for them, they're probably going to go try something else. And the chances of it working better are pretty slim. So the, it, it's absolutely necessary if I'm going to succeed, I have to be faithful. Because if I'm not faithful in the Christian way of life, the Bible way of life, the IFB way of life, whatever you want to call it, then it will not produce anything good. It will not bring happiness to them. It will not be something that they want. And so if we're going to be successful in raising a Christian family you are going to have to be faithful in certain things. And folks, I am not, if I can, 
I don't know what I have to do to get you to believe what I'm saying right now. Okay, I get it. I'm a pastor, and so obviously, you know, when you're a pastor and you're full-time in the church, you, you kind of have an agenda in some areas. Obviously, you know, the success of this church, you know, it can make me look good or bad, you know, whatever. So, you know, I understand, you know, what I have to gain from some of the things I'm about to say, but I, what I'm about to say, I'm saying this as a father who cares about his children and wants the best for his children. I, I, these things that I'm telling you that I have done that you should do, I'm telling you this because I am 100% convinced that you will not turn out a good product without it. And so when it comes to this Christianity, this is not something that you just turn on and off as you feel like it. You have to be faithful in it. And I'm telling you, one of the things, you have to be faithful in your church attendance. Okay, I get it. I, I get that I, I prefer to cr- preach to a crowd rather than empty chairs. Okay, but I'm telling you right now, faithfulness to church is something that I've always practiced. Well, it was something that I was taught. It was how I was raised. We just, it, it, it was the priority. It was, it was the priority. You know why? Because my dad was convinced that it was absolutely necessary to help us to be good Christians, to turn out the way God, you know, God wanted us to. And I'm going to show you too in, in some of the first, in, in some of the later weeks too, you know, that coming to church it's not about just getting your body in a geographical location. It's also about service, which is is one of the things we're going to talk about. You you cannot live. I don't want to preach another probably next week's message. You cannot live for yourself. And teach a, your children a selfish lifestyle like that and expect to turn out a good product. You cannot expect them to, turn, to, to grow up wanting to please you when you have lived a life always trying to please yourself. You can't do that. But let me tell you something. When I was growing up, we were taught we are in the house of God. You know why there? Because we are there to serve God. We are there to serve other people. We are we're there to be obedient to God. It is not about us. It is not about what we want to do. When we were on vacations, we'd be in vacations and, and fun places with a lot of cool stuff to do. But when church service times came around, we were always in church. And, we, and, and our church service times were Sundays, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And when we were in other towns, we were in churches during those times. And, and, and why we did it? Because my dad wanted it to be important to us. Because he was convinced that it was absolutely necessary if we were going to be successful in our families, that we were faithful to church. And I'm, th- I'm convinced about that with my kids. I will be heartbroken if my kids are not faithful in a church. I'm not t- I don't want them to just be in a church. No, I want them faithful in church. I want them to be involved. I want them to be faithful in their soul winning. I don't care if my, if, you know, if my boys, I've never been interested or, you know, that concerned about whether or not to be a pastor or anything like that. But let me tell you, I've always been concerned that they be in a church and that they be involved and that they be helping in that church. And if it's not this one, it needs to be another good one because I, I do not believe for two seconds that my kids will raise good grandkids for me if they are not actively involved in a church, if they are not faithful in a church in attending, supporting it, giving to that church, soul winning in that church, serving in that church, helping take care of other people. If they are not, if they are not ministering to other people, I don't think they're going to, I don't think they will do well. 
I will be scared for my grandkids if my kids decide, you know what, I'm going to hang on to most of what my dad taught me, but you know what, I'm going to put this service thing on the back burner. I'm going to put being faithful on the back burner. I'm, I'll, I'll go pretty regular, but not that. I will be concerned for my kids because I will not expect good to come from that. I will always love my kids. I will always love my grandkids. I will do whatever I can to influence my grandkids in a good way and to help get my grandkids to love the Lord. But I'll tell you right now, I will be terrified as a grandfather if my grandkids aren't faithfully attending the church. I will be terrified at how, how they're, they're going to turn out. And I'm telling you, wherever you are serving, you need to be faithful. It's amazing how many people, they want a thriving church. They want a thriving ministry in the church, but they don't want to have to be faithful. They don't want to be consistent. And folks, I do. I want the ministries of this church to succeed. I think everybody, hey, who wants the ministries of this church to succeed? Who wants our soul to succeed? Who wants to see these things keep going? Who wants to see these things grow? But then at the same time, if you're not, you're not faithful, then what do you expect to happen? I mean, what, what do you expect? How can anything succeed? You know, everybody wants a good choir, but nobody wants to practice. Nobody wants to be consistent and showing up for these things. You know, we all, we all want these things. You know, we want a nice orchestra. We want, we want good crowds. We want all these things, but then we don't want to be faithful. And, and then, and, and, I, and I've had it before too, where people will come to me and, like Pastor Tommy, you know, it doesn't seem like this is going the best and, you know, working out real good. Why do you think that is? Um, I, I had somebody a while back ask me that. And it's just like, um, where were you at church last Sunday? Where were you at church the Wednesday before that? Listen, don't talk to me about how you're not thinking this is succeeding and doing well when you're not even consistent yourself. You are why that's not doing the best. You're not faithful. And folks, you have to be faithful in these things. And whatever your calling, whatever your spiritual gift is in, you should not only be known for that thing, and everybody has them, but it should be your reputation that you are faithful in that thing. I preached a message a long time ago about Philip the Evangelist. Philip the Evangelist. A lot of people, they see that word and they think, evangelist, I like the sound of that. I want to be evangelist. Tommy the Evangelist, I like, this, I like the sound of that. But you know, you, you want to know why I believe Philip was called Philip the Evangelist? Because that's just what he was known for. Because that's just what he did. That's what he did that all the time. He was faithful in that. And let me tell you, you might want I, I want to be known, you know, as whoever, whoever the soul winner. Well, you know what? You're not going to be known as that if you're not faithful to it. You'll be known. You know, when people will call you that is when you're just always doing that, when you're just always faithful to that, when you've been doing that kind of thing for years, when you're successful in that, then people will think of you that way. We've got a lot of people today, you know, they want to be a pastor. They want to go into the ministry. They want some kind of position. But the thing is, they're not known for service. They're not known for faithfulness. They're not consistent on these things. They're, they're not, they, they don't minister to people. Listen, being a pastor is more than you just getting up and giving an eloquent sermon from the pulpit. It's also pastoring. It's ministering to people. It's guiding people. It's loving people. It's leading people. And you've got some people because they've got a couple good messages that they've really polished up real good and have gotten good deliveries and maybe a few people watch it on YouTube or something. All of a sudden they think, I'm ready to be a pastor. But it's like, but wait a minute. You've got to prove yourself faithful. You've got to prove yourself consistent. And you're not. There's a lot of guys out there like that. Showboats. Boy, these guys have popped up throughout. I've seen these people come through the IFB my whole life. 
I knew one guy, I won't say his name, but it rhymed with showy. And I always called him showy whoever because that's just, that's just who this guy was. And let me tell you, this guy was a polished speaker. This guy, he, he was a good singer. He was very talented. And he would, go, he would get asked to go to places all the time. And he'd show up there and man, he would put on a performance. He'd deliver the good. He'd, he'd, he'd get the crowd going. He'd get the big offerings too. I, I was listening one time tell all these stories about big offerings that he got. But you know what? That guy also was not faithful. He was not faithful to his wife. He ended up getting busted for some stuff that he did. He ended up getting divorced. And then he went and just basically, you know, uh, he, he, had to, he had to move on. Got disgraced. And, you know, where, where is he now? He's not, not serving in a, in a church anymore. Not doing these things anymore. And, you know, and he, and he shouldn't be in these positions anymore. You know why? Because he wasn't faithful. But boy, he could put on a good show could put on a good performance. We need faithful people. And let me tell you, in your home and in your, your personal life, your children must see you being faithful to Christian qualities. You can't turn it on and off. You, you've got to be faithful in your Bible reading. Okay, I could preach a whole sermon about that. Please don't come to me say, you know, saying, Pastor Tommy, I'm struggling spiritually. I'm just... I'm, you know, I'm not having the joy of the Lord. I'm, I'm not learning anything. I just don't feel like I'm getting spiritually fed. And you don't read your Bible consistently. You know, you know, that's not fair for you to expect me to help you be a good Christian when you don't even read your Bible regularly. That, that's, a, that's not fair, folks. Don't, don't put that expectation on me. Don't, don't expect me to be such a good preacher that I'm able to give you everything you need to know about the Bible without you even having to read it. But you know, you got a lot of people in churches today blaming pastors for how sorry they are in their spiritual life and they don't even read the Bible. Oh, I'll go read 10 chapters tomorrow. Well, good, I'm glad you're going to read 10 chapters tomorrow, but you know what? I hope you're going to read the next day after that too and the day after that. You've got to keep this going your whole life. You don't go to the doctor and say, I took vitamins one day and then I quit. And see, that's, that's what I do all the time. Whenever I get sick or I start having a problem, when I'm feeling bad, I remember to take the vitamins. But they always tell me, you know, you don't just take them when you're sick. You're supposed to take them when you're healthy, too. Well, I don't think about it when I'm healthy. You know, and, that, but, and so what do we do? We wait and we let that deficiency cause some kind of problem in our life. And if you're not reading your Bible, if you're not faithful in the things of God, if you're not faithful in the house of God, you are going to be deficient. And it's going to cause problems in your life. And then you're going to expect me to give you this magic pill, this magic vitamin that's going to undo your bad diet that you've had for the last six months. You know, you expect me to preach some sermon that's going to make up for the 47 sermons that you missed in the last year. It's not, it's not going to happen. Don't put that. I can't preach that good, folks. I'm not. You know what? I'm just going to admit it right now. If you're going to be a good Christian, I'm not a good enough preacher and teacher to teach you enough where you can go by without reading your Bible. You're going to have to read your Bible too. I'm just telling you that right now. You're going to have to read your Bible. You're going to have to be consistent in these things. You're going to have to be consistent in your prayer life. Deuteronomy 8, 2, it says, Now shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, 
But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord, doth man live. God put them through that test to teach them you need not just physical bread, you need the Word of God in your life. God did that for 40 years just to teach them one important lesson. You need every Word of God. And you know what? Just like you need food every day, you need God's Word every day, ladies and gentlemen. You need it every day. And you've got people... They're wondering why their families aren't turning out good. They wonder why they're struggling spiritually. They don't even show up for church regularly. And on top of that, they don't even read their Bible every day. I mean, you know, and don't come to me looking for comfort and and sympathy. You know, when you're not doing those things and everything's going bad, you've got to be reading your Bible. You've got to have a prayer life. I'm not a good enough prayer warrior. I'm just going to admit it right now. Maybe y'all are going to fire me after this service. I'm not a good enough prayer warrior for me to pray enough to fix all your problems. You know what? You're going to have to pray too. You're going to have to pray. You're probably going to have to teach your kids how to pray too. You're probably going to have to get other people in the church praying for you. That's probably what you're going to need to fix your problems. I I can't pray enough to fix everyone's problems. You've got to do it too. And the Bible does say in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Well, I prayed one time, it didn't work. That's not how it works. You pray without ceasing. Jesus told parables, encouraging people to nag Him and to continually come to Him in prayer. But the problem is, we're not faithful in these things. We're not faithful in asking God, which is what praying is. It's, it's asking And so fathers, they need to be good providers and protectors. Good husbands, love your wives, stay faithful to them. Folks, you have to show your kids how to make a marriage last. If you quit, if you give up, if you get divorced, you are teaching them. This is what you do when things get tough. And let me tell you, marriages get tough. Marriages go through rocky times. They go through difficult times. You have to show them how to get through it. You know what that means? It means you're faithful. It means you're faithful. Mothers, you know, need to be keepers of the home they need to raise their children don't just turn it over to schools and daycares don't don't do that listen you know don't don't ask me how to help you raise good kids and how to discipline your kids when you send them to daycare all the time it's don't don't come to me say pastor tommy i don't you know teach me how to have good kids while i'm sending my kids to daycare and putting them on ritalin don't ask me that that's not fair okay you're going to lose that battle Okay, this is gonna this is gonna turn out bad for you. Don't you know? Don't don't ask me that. You know, moms, you've got to be faithful in being submissive to your husband. Okay, I'd at least get an amen from the guys on that one. You got to be faithful in that. You don't just get to submit when you feel like it. Hey, I, I know it's not fun all the time, but you know what? You've got to be faithful in that. Hey, feminism isn't helping our world out. It's not helping women out. You know what feminism has ultimately done? It's turning a lot of women into men. We're messing women up so much that they're literally turning into men and going and shooting up schools. Yeah, that, that's what that's what's going on. So don't don't do that. You know, you need you need to keep it together emotionally. I, I get it. You're, you're you're a woman. It's it's tough sometimes. But you know what? We got to be faithful. The fact you're having a bad day and and things are rough emotionally that doesn't give you an excuse to just go crazy and breaking all the rules. there's going to be some days where we feel like doing right more than others. There's going to be some we don't feel like doing right. But you know what we have to do? We have to be faithful. And 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 again, across the board, on a Christianity, there are times 
I don't feel like reading the Bible. But I've got to read the Bible. There are times I don't feel like going soul winning. I don't feel like going to church. There's a lot of times I don't feel like doing the things I'm supposed to do. But being a good Christian is not about just feeling like it all the time. It's just about being faithful. Being faithful to it. And you know what? Sometimes it's great. Sometimes I love it. Sometimes, folks, when, I, when I'm studying for sermons, this week when I was studying for my sermon for this morning, I was getting fired up and excited. I was having a good time. But you know, sometimes I'm just working. Sometimes I, I, you just you get tired. But you know what? I've got to be faithful. I've got to keep doing it. I, I can't just, oh, I don't feel like it. I'm not going to do it now. That, that's not how that works. How would you all like it if I just did that? Just, I mean, you know, you, we don't like pastors getting this big head and thinking they're so much above everybody else, but yet it's this massive deal if a pastor is not faithful to what he's supposed to do, but everybody else, no big deal. And don't you dare preach anything making us feel bad about it. Well, that's not really fair. You know, you, if, if you all want to act like that, well... Don't get mad at me if I get a big head and start thinking I'm more important than everybody else. You know, I think everybody ought to treat your job because it's your calling as equal to mine. I'm doing my calling. You're doing your calling. Just like you expect me to be faithful, you need to be faithful. That's how this is, that's how this is supposed to work. You know, and there, there's no taking a break from things. I'm not, I'm not telling you never get to go on vacation. I'm not, I'm not canceling everybody's vacations. And, you know, ban, you know, telling you you can't miss another service for the rest of the year. Obviously, there are things, scheduled things that we were able to do. But you know what? I think you ought to schedule them. Sometimes I'm gone. But you know what? When I'm gone, it's scheduled. It's planned. You know, it, and, be, you know, it's something that we prepare for. But, you know, but when it comes to, like, taking a break from the things of God, from being a Christian, there is no break from that. Obedience isn't optional. It's not something you turn on and off whenever you feel like it. When you turn it off, you're just racking up consequences. And so if you've, if you've started late in this area of faithfulness, all I can say is it's better late than never. But things aren't going to be as bad now as they would have been if you never started. But if you've taken a break from obedience, end your break immediately because all that time you're just racking up consequences. Things are only going to be worse. If you messed up in these areas, it's not over because we do have a God who's capable of working miracles, but you're going to be dependent on his mercy and he's faithful to forgive and to be merciful. But you know, don't expect God to be merciful when you won't even acknowledge your transgression. We've got to do these things. You have to acknowledge that transgression. And so I want you to keep this thought in your head, faithfulness. Okay. And again, we talked a lot about church things tonight. But you know, you ought, this is, this is a character quality. Dads, you ought to be faithful in your job. You know, as, as a, you know, well, it's not a spiritual company. So what? Okay, we're supposed to be good to our, our masters. We're supposed to be good to our employers. We're supposed to work for them like we were working for the Lord. You ought to be consistent on your job. You shouldn't always be on the verge of getting fired for being a sorry worker. Did you know you're not a very good Christian if you're like that? You ought to have, you ought to have character. You ought to be honest. On your job, you ought to be faithful in paying your bills, in meeting your obligation. Oh, I, you know, I just owe that money to some Jewish banker. I know, but you made the deal. Okay, we're not like them, where it's okay to rip off a goyim. Okay, no, we got to be honest even to them, and, and you did. 
you ignored all the fine print and you signed all that stuff and you know you got to you got to you got to come through on that and folks if you do that if that becomes who you are folks your kids are going to it's going to become who they are that's what they that's what they were raised in that's how we did things in our home we my dad was faithful he was consistent he was diligent in these things and you won't even have to tell them to do these things. They're just going to do it because it's who they are. And so make sure you've got this quality. If you don't have it, your chances of success are very slim. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray this message was a help and a blessing to everyone. Lord, I pray if anybody got anything in this, I pray, Lord, as my own family. Lord, I, I, I do want the best for the future generations in my life and lord i pray you'll help all of us to have this quality it is your quality it is one of your attributes that we are completely dependent on and lord i pray that you'll help us to be this way across the board not just in our churches and our families but even in our workplaces and just everything we do that we'll do it all to your glory in your name we pray amen